For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 705 on CJAD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Hello, Josh. Hello, Dan. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about some popcorn. Not just popcorn, bad monkey popcorn. It's not bad. It's just monkey. It's bad popcorn. But I got to tell you, bad monkey popcorn, awesome. And there are samples here and... You know, it's just dessert popcorn, it's tasty popcorn, it's sweet popcorn, it's uh, spicy popcorn. It's awesome, but we'll hear that later. All right, so Fabio and Elaine coming up, the uh, founders of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Uh, but first, as usual on today's Entrepreneur on a Monday night, uh, let's get to some of the entrepreneurial news of the week. And uh, let's talk about analytics, um, especially when you talk about web. And uh, Canadian startups are really, really into uh, web traffic, social media traffic. I mean, it's it's co it's come down to a science now. And I'm always, uh, because I do work in sort of that area, I'm always stunned at how how in depth people really care to go um what do you think are, are we paying too much attention when it comes to sort of micromanaging website hits and, and retweets and facebook posts or or is this really information that every entrepreneur needs well then you know when i hear analytics uh, i mean it's it could really mean a lot of things to me uh, i equate it with measure what you're doing if you can't measure it you can't manage it so Analytics in the online world is no question the Google Analytics and the, you know, collecting. I think I think we spoke maybe at the end of last season about big data, you know, and how these these companies collect big data and they sell big data because the the companies, the producers, the services, the the products, they all market towards big data. They they know that on your phone, if you're, you know, mid forties and you shop at a certain place, you know, when you when you have your ads or your banner ads pop up, they can direct those ads to to your segment. But it's really about measuring your efforts. It's really, you know, the entrepreneur can take so many shots at a dartboard, but if you can't tell where it lands, uh, you know, if you're shooting a dartboard and you're blind, well, then somebody else has got to tell you where it lands because otherwise you have no idea if you should keep shooting if you're aiming in the right direction. So when I hear analytics, uh, and I think entrepreneurs, uh, all I can think of is if you're not measuring the efforts that you're that you're trying to make and advancing your business, then how the heck do you know which direction you keep going? Mm. And uh, how? Wh what are some sort of key points that uh, someone, set, for example, just redoes their website? I mean, are you looking at general traffic? Are you looking at responses to perhaps particular campaigns? Or what's something that entrepreneurs should look out for? Uh, I think if you're talking about online, it, it's the question is where are where is the, where are the hits and how you know how are they are there click throughs on your website? What part of your website's uh, you know? stay on because you can measure the time that somebody stays on a page too so it's a question of measuring that and saying hey you know what like in our world uh you know we we put out some tax publications we put out some human resource publications and we realize that some you know people navigate to the page and stay on that page longer than than some others you know the contact us or whatever so that's stuff that we know and we use and we say hey people are interested in this area let's try and aim more at that area. So I think there's absolutely ways to monitor and and I'm no techie. I'm the furthest thing from a techie, so please don't go there. There's there's other experts out for that, but I do know that the ability to manage to monitor to get the data on where people are going in your own site and your own social media is absolutely available and completely useful. 
And a lot of it is completely free, too, on Facebook and Twitter. You can get some pretty basic analytics for your Facebook or, Twi or Twitter page uh, really simply. And uh, you can it shows growth even from post to post, from month to month. And uh, if you have one of those like pages on Facebook, you can sort of dive in and, and get some really useful information there. Dan, your your day job is all is all about that, or at yep. least part of it. So uh, of it. <laughs> you, you know that very well, and, and, uh, and you know that that information is so valuable or can be so valuable uh, to, to companies to get, get them in the right direction from a sales and marketing standpoint, it's huge. But I would also caution this because my experience, I think there, there's such a plethora of information about, about every single blog post, about your website, about every single social media post, every tweet, that I think some entrepreneurs, in my experience, can get a little too caught up in it and a little bit too obsessed with, uh, with uh, the numbers and not sort of the big picture. And, and that's my fear when we get too deep into analytics that sometimes it gets a bit crazy. You can't, uh, you can't get lost in the forest. You still have mm. to have your 35,000 foot view uh, and you you need you need direction. If you if you lose your direction because you get lost in the detail, and that really that applies to any business and and any aspect of any business, uh, well then then you could hurt. We talk about retail a lot, and uh, there's a, a pretty meaty article in the Gazette, the Retail Roundup, about uh, so what's coming to, to the retail landscape in Montreal this fall. Eva Fried writes it in the Gazette. And uh, the, the general trend I'm seeing is that I think retail, Josh, fair to say, uh, needs to offer a little bit more than just selling stuff. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of coffee shops now in, uh, in um, some of these spaces, a lot of high-tech toys. So uh, is, the, is the day of the old traditional retailer that just sells things dead? Are you going to have to offer an experience, uh, an adventure almost? Well, the, the, I think there's a couple of things at play here. One is I, I'm still always impressed, certainly in today's day, that we see new retailers open, that people are still confident of the St. Catherine Streets of the world and, and Sherbrooke Streets for part of it. Uh, you know, because you kind of hear, you know, the, the market, the feeling, there's a bit of doom and gloom and, and certainly a lot of the wholesalers and the people that are that are reselling product. Um, but then you see that these new stores and, you, of course, you see a bunch of stores closing in certain parts of, of town. Uh, but then you hear these monsters opening, but they're opening to give it a completely different look, a different feel, and creating a reason for people to walk into their store. Uh, I know I'm a bit of a broken record with this, uh, if you've heard it before, but stores are understanding that they have to they have to answer the question why. Not what am I selling, but why am I selling it, and why does that person have to walk into the store? And if you can answer that why question for your consumers, they're going to want to come in, and they're going to want to come into your store frequently, and they're going to tell others, and word of mouth, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not only about what you're selling um, it's also about why people should come into your store and uh, the coffee shops and all that I mean to me it just creates a nicer shopping experience better you're not going to get a coffee when you're sitting at home online and clicking right well and, and you know listen they they coffee shops are no longer just coffee shops they're meeting places it's it's free wi-fi it, you know it's instead of necessarily going to a restaurant or sitting in a boardroom you can go down to a coffee shop and say you know what it's a little more comfortable uh it's a little more uh, convivial you know and and that and that's just maybe a better way for people to collaborate all right, let's talk about our, our favorite phone maker. Ah, BlackBerry, <laughs> I'm sure. So we, we, we have the same phone, and uh, I love this BlackBerry. But, I love this BlackBerry, too. But not, it's, it's not enough. It's not turning the company's fortunes around completely. And uh, so they've, uh, they've made another phone with an Android platform, which is new for BlackBerry. So what they're going to do is they're going to try to open up uh, the, uh, uh, their software a little bit and sell to, to this big Android market. Um, Smart move, you think, uh, to combine the BlackBerry hardware, which is what we really want, I think. I mean, the hard keyboard is what I want, with a more popular software? You know, uh, time will certainly tell if it's the right move or not. But the one thing that is the right move is there was recognition that the product as is 
wasn't doing it. Uh, even though you and I love this BlackBerry and love the keyboard and love the features uh, and probably don't have a need specifically or personally for all the apps out there, uh, the question is that the company has been losing money, continues to lose money, and if they weren't going to do something different uh, and and reinvent themselves, another favorite word that we use here, then certainly downhill was happening fast. So the question of actually going out and, and realizing, recognizing that there is a great strategic alliance, a great partnership to be had, uh, better, you know, better as a whole versus two parts. Uh, I think it's, I think it's actually a great move on their part and will absolutely give them a chance to improve a bottom line and, and bring back to life, uh, a company that's, uh, that's a Canadian icon. I mean, uh, it's Blackberry, it's RIM, it's, it's Waterloo, it's Canadian. And, uh, and I, I truly hope it, it continues or starts to thrive. So they'll be combining a, a touch phone with, uh, so they're bringing back the sliding keyboard. So it kind of slides out. So you yeah, get I'm a little concerned of, about that, worlds. but uh, I'm a little concerned about the sliding keyboard, uh, you know, but uh, that, that's just me personally from a techie standpoint and, hmm. and the bad experience that we I both had, had with that the phone. old Storm. With the old Storm. Or the, yeah, I was, had the torch, I think it was. Or the torch, yeah. yeah, yeah the torch it, it was something hot. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a bit volatile, that phone. Uh, well, good luck to BlackBerry, I guess. Uh, coming up next, we'll uh, get to popcorn, bad monkey popcorn. Fabio and Elaine join us here in studio on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 718 on CJAD 800, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you on today's Entrepreneur. And uh, our guests this evening, Fabio Zappili and Elaine McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Fabio, Elaine, welcome to CJAD. Hey guys, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks for, Thanks for, having for dropping us, guys. by. So uh, let, let's start with the basics. Uh, tell us, I mean, obviously you guys sell popcorn, but, but tell us about uh, how this company started and, and what makes you guys different. Uh, Bad Monkey Popcorn is the best popcorn in the country, hands down. No bias there whatsoever. No right? no bias whatsoever. <laughs> and by the way, Dan and I, I are sampling. and uh, yeah, Yeah, exactly, as he munches throughout. <laughs> yeah, when uh, that's it. When we were kids, uh, basically the company was started by me and my three brothers. And uh, when we were kids, my mother used to call us her little bad monkeys. We were a little bit uh, rambunctious. Uh, now we're good monkeys, of course. And we make awesome popcorn at an affordable price. Now, you you started this. Well, first of all, the types of popcorn. Just to let just to let the the audience know, the listeners know, uh, they're just bags of cop popcorn. You sell them in retail stores. Like how how do people kind of get their hands on it? Yeah. So when we first started out, we started selling in just the festivals. But now we've branched out and we sell to major chains, major grocery chains like Provigo, IGA, uh, Metro, and so most of our our, our business comes from that uh, from that sector. Now. You, none of you, you're, you said you're four brothers that started it, right? Yeah. None of you made popcorn before venturing into this. How oh, did, no. How I, did it start? Yeah, how, did, how did you go from, <laughs> from four brothers doing, well, who knows what? I think you, you actually came from a legal life, yeah. uh, you know, into this. What, what was that? What was that? I'm actually like? a terrible cook. Big secret. Uh, <laughs> but no, <laughs> not, I, not anymore. I, that's it. I, I was a lawyer. My brother was uh, in finance. My other two brothers were chefs, actually. And uh, so about a year and a half ago, we're sitting around the kitchen table uh, having some popcorn. And we thought to ourselves, you know what? We could do better than this. Uh, we looked at the markets and in the US and overseas, popcorn is huge. So we looked at what's happening in Canada. And to be honest with you, there was nothing happening. So we said to ourselves, could we do better? The answer was yes. And we've always wanted to work together. I mean, it's a, you know, we've always had a dream of working as a family unit like that. And uh, so we just kind of a, took a leap of faith and uh, and made it happen. It sounds like the, the four of you, the four brothers, uh, okay, two of them similar, but you all have quite varied backgrounds. 
does that help? Is that a hindrance? Do you lock heads because somebody doesn't understand the other? How, how is that interaction between the four of you? Yeah, I, I think like any family, you know, there's disagreements here and there, but we all do have different backgrounds and we all in some way contribute, I think, uh, to the company in a different way, but in a positive way. So it's four different people coming together for one single goal. And I, ju- I think that having different opinions and different experiences um, and different expertise has been a, a fabulous advantage to our company. Now, you identify there's a need in the market, but you've never made a single flavored popcorn in your entire life. What is the first step? What do you what do you do? How do you get from not knowing a thing about making popcorn to having the right machinery and pumping out enough units that taste fantastic? Well, when we told our, our mother that we wanted to qu- basically quit our, our jobs and, and make popcorn, she was a little bit nervous. Uh, but then we said, oh, how do we do this, right? I mean, who's doing this right now? Uh, so we looked at one of the biggest competitors out there, I mean, at least in the in the malls, and that's Colonel's. So we would spend our weekends uh, in, the, in the beginning just kind of watching them. How, how do they make their, their product? We researched it online. I mean, me coming with a legal background, I mean, I'm pretty good at research and my brothers as well. So we just put our heads together, figured it out, called the suppliers. And one step at a time, we built the company uh, through a lot of mistakes. Obviously, there's a huge learning curve, uh, given that I knew nothing about popcorn. Uh, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's, again, it's not rocket science. <laughs> so uh, eventually we figured it out and uh, we came forward with a, a concept for a business. We're all four of you doing research in your own vein or were some of you still working? Did one of you quit your job first? Well, I think from the beginning, we all said to ourselves, you know what? We have to be all in or nothing. Uh, so we, we, we took a big leap of faith and uh, we went all in right from the start. I mean, I don't know if that's advisable for every single entrepreneur. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. But for us, we figured all in or nothing. And so, I mean, it, we, it paid off. It really did. Well, it sounds like, and Dan, you know, we've heard a lot of entrepreneurs that really, they're they're risk takers. And uh, some of them are a little more calculated, some a little less calculated. Uh, Not too many four Italian brothers that are going (laughs) to connect and and start to come out and make uh, popcorn, not like mama used to make. Well, that's it. Like my philosophy always was basically, you know, um, and it's a a common philosophy here out there. We're an entrepreneur, somebody who jumps off a bridge, uh, bridge and makes a plane on the way down. So that's kind of the philosophy I've had going forward. So when we come back from the break, Dan, and, and, and certainly Fabio, and we'll bring Elaine into the conversation as well, we'll kind of look about not just the product and the making of it, because that in and of itself is recipes and fun, but certainly now that you're out there with this bad monkey look, well, how do you market it? So that'll that'll be interesting to come back to after the break. Fabio Zappili and Elaine McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn was, uh, with us uh, this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.25 on Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau. Uh, with us this evening, Fabio Zappili and Elaine McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn. And uh, Josh, a time to talk a bit about marketing. Yeah, and, and I know there's a lot to talk about marketing, but even before we get there, I know uh, that Fabio was talking about a big learning curve. And certainly when you've never made popcorn in your entire life and, you know, you have to make machinery and, and then you have flavors to bring into it. Uh, it's got to be an, an interesting process. Uh, you know, the machinery, the the number of times you may have uh, burnt or screwed up a recipe. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it was interesting. So so tell us the, kind of the, those first manufacturing steps. Yeah, when we first started, we had no machines, really. I mean, we were making popcorn in my sister-in-law's kitchen. Uh, we quickly burned a couple of uh, pots and pans and, uh, 
Uh, so we had to we had to leave there and find ourselves a little spot. So we got a little office. Uh, we looked more into getting industrial size machines. And uh, you don't want to. Our whole philosophy is kind of you have to walk before you run. So we started off with a smaller machine, and then we realized quickly that you know we need to scale. Um, but it, it was it was a learning process for sure. Now, is everybody involved in in like the the decision making of? what kind of flavors get made and 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 which one did you start with like what was your very first flavor yeah so our, our very first flavor actually was caramel uh it took about 10 or 11 tries to get it right i mean everyone um has had car- caramel before our whole idea of a company was we wanted to create something really different right so we want to take the caramel that everyone's used to and kind of do our own little twist on it so we said what if we did a creme brulee caramel what if we took a caramel and we burnt it a bit well when we first started we burnt it maybe too, too much. much yeah <laughs> so after many many tries we got it just right and we had a very serious uh, sampling session uh, at a table with uh, uh, some drinks and uh, we tasted the popcorn for the first time uh, you know and it, it was delicious and we started giving it to some family and friends and they agreed and so we figured well if it's good enough for our family and friends maybe uh, the general public would like to try it too now when you started off in the manufacturing did you only start with one flavor or you said you know we got to come out with at least X number of flavors. Well, again, we wanted to do a, a twist on all of the classics, but then create our own ones. So it was really kind of one at a time, you know, take one flavor, try to make it really great, and then move on and so on and so forth. So right now, I mean, we have upwards of 22 flavors uh, that we currently sell. Now, when we were talking b- before you came on, and Dan and I were talking about analytics and measuring, when you were first making your, your flavors, your popcorn, how did you measure it? How did you get it out to the public? How did you know that it would be well-received? Uh, I mean, we measure uh, the quality of our popcorn with the smiles on people's faces, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, we started off uh, with not a lot of money, right? So we said, you know what? Let's go to the events. Let's go to events in Montreal, uh, even in Ontario, and give it to people. Let's put it like basically in their mouths and see mm-hmm. if they like it. And it was very positively received. I mean, we everywhere we went, we sold out within the day. Uh, so we had a, a very strong feeling that we had a great product on our hands. Now, what kind of events, like what was the first event that you had, that you went to and did you have to persuade them to, to get into that event or were they so <laughs> anxious to get this popcorn product, this bad monkey popcorn that they kind of opened their doors? Yeah, no, I mean, the thing is that uh, to get to any event, it, it costs a little bit of money, right? So uh, we want to be a bit creative and so we proposed uh, doing uh, kind of a profit split, right? So uh, we would sell the popcorn and then we would give a percentage of our sales uh, to the event organizer. And so one of the first events we really did... Events was definitely Grand Prix. Yeah, Grand Prix. I mean, we start big. Go big or we'll go home. That's kind of our philosophy. <laughs> that's, that's a that's a pretty good event to start at in Montreal. Yeah. So that's it. Like we, I mean, we started up in May 2014, and by June we were on Crescent and Maisonneuve selling our popcorn to tens of thousands of people. And so, how did you strike? I mean, F1. I mean, the, everybody's heard some great stories about contracts, and you know they're in town, they're leaving town. Uh, we won't mention Bernie Ecclestone, but was it difficult with the promoters to to kind of get you in there? They were they were open to the to this profit split. Was it a difficult contract to? Yeah, the to guys who, the guys who run that are really cool guys and uh, really open to new companies and new opportunities. And uh, it, it wasn't so much of convincing them; it was more just kind of showing them like, look, we're gonna work really really hard to sell a lot of popcorn. People are gonna love it. It's gonna make your event even that much better. And so it's in your interest and our interest to work together uh, and and make this a huge success for both of our teams. It sounds like, listen, it was a great first step because you reach a ton of people at F1. So there's no doubt that that I was a huge effort. Do you still do a lot of events today? Every summer, we like last summer, we did at 71 events. So we do a Grand Prix, Monkland. We did Oceaga. We're the official popcorn for Just for Laughs. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we did a lot of stuff and now th that was our first summer. This summer, we kind of scaled it back just a little bit to focus more on our wholesale distribution, but definitely in the beginning, getting the name out there, that was very important. No, I think that's great. And I'm sure there's a lot more marketing to talk about, uh, you know, certainly how you get the sales, the distribution, your social media. So when we come back after the break, we're, we'll have fun with that. Fabio Zapili and Elaine McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn this evening on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.36 on today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you and our guest this evening, Fabio Zapili and Elaine McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn. And Josh, it's interesting, obviously a classic product. We've been having it at the movies for generations, but it's always kind of remained the same. It's always been butter and popcorn, more butter, less butter, and that was pretty much it. And, you know, it, but the flavors, I mean, you know, we see it all over and everybody's trying to, you know, the gourmet flavors and just trying to be different, right? There's a market out there. People want different. So I think it's great. Uh, you know, one of, one of the really interesting parts of, of your business, or at least one of your experiences is that you guys got to be on Dragon's Den. Yeah. What can you tell us about that? Dragon's Den was awesome. You'll get to see me uh, sweating on the television. <laughs> yeah, he was super nervous all red. Okay, it was the lights. It was the lights. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was really cool. We auditioned at the John Molson School of Business. We were accepted. So we went on the shows, me and my, my brother, my two little cousins, because you have to always have a the cute factor. So they're exactly. two young girls, very uh, sweet and, uh, and intelligent. And uh, so we went out, just to have, had a good time. You know, a lot of people were nervous, but we went out there with a good attitude. And we ended up getting a few offers. I can't talk too much about mm -hmm. it but it was an awesome experience it really was yeah. if you ever had to if somebody said i'm going on dragon's den what would be the piece of advice what would what would you tell them have fun honestly like we went there and there was a lot of people nervous you know which i guess is it's understandable you know um and very serious but at the end of the day it's just about having a good time uh presenting yourself well obviously and knowing you know your product knowing you know the numbers and all that that's important too but just to, to go there with a good uh, good open mind and a good I, attitude yeah yeah and I, I guess watching the show too and it's it's also important for the entrepreneurs it's you know i guess there be confident and don't hesitate yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> know your stuff yeah so now that we're talking about knowing stuff we got to have everybody else that knows your stuff so let's talk a little bit on marketing like how you got the word out there okay you did events i know elaine you said there were 71 events uh, in this past short while uh is that the only thing you do how else do you make sure you get the word out there well we have facebook twitter instagram and it's all about uh getting getting like in touch with our fan base you know a, a lot of our fans help us pick the names of our popcorn flavors of our popcorn so they always contribute to that is social how much does social media play a role and i mean do you guys do anything else or you do it all online or do you really just do events online and that's it like there's no print there's no uh, other medias that you use i think we've shied away a little bit from traditional media maybe because of uh, uh budgetary reasons of course you know when, <laughs> when you're a startup company you want to keep it keep it uh keep it loose there but uh i think just generally being in communication with our uh with our customers whether it's through social media whether it's through events uh is really important to us people you know they can call us at any time with comments and we do get a lot of comments good and a few bad here and there but at the end of the day even the, the negative comments are not so much negative they're more uh there to help us you know so yeah, we, it's all about improving yeah you know if something's not working right tell us what it is and we're going to work on it to make a better product altogether. now you're in various grocery stores what was the first one how did you get in 
How did you get your foot or your product into that first store? Uh, very old school. Uh, we walked in, uh, shook a gentleman's hand, and <laughs> he gave us a chance. Uh, really, it was uh, pretty much as simple as that. We approached uh, one of the local IGAs, and uh, the owner. We walked up to the owner, told him about our product, uh, you know, and he had faith in us based on the conversation we had with him, and he gave us a shot. And uh, you know, the sales were there, so uh, so he felt confident. He liked the packaging. He liked uh, the people behind the packaging. And so since that date, I mean, we've now are in about a hundred. 54 locations uh, yeah in the we province. always do promos and tastings at the grocery store it's really important for people to try the product before they buy it did you get in on your first shot or did you have to you have multiple takes <laughs> oh no yeah it wasn't as magical as that no for sure i mean it's like it's, it's corny but it's not really how often you fall it's when you get up right so yeah at first there were a few hit no's but as long as you have more yeses than no's i think generally you'll be successful now, you're four brothers, and I know I alluded to it at the beginning of the program that you come from different backgrounds, but you having a legal background and you're starting a new company and you're with family and yeah. the four brothers, I presume you have a shareholders agreement. I presume you have some formality between your brothers or is it on a handshake with them too? No, I I mean, we do have, uh, you know, the, the proper legalities in place, you know, but at the end of the day, um, you know, whether it's your brother or just a friend, I mean, if you don't really trust the person you're with, uh, I mean, that's kind of a, a bad thing from the start, you know? So, I mean, we all love each other. We all trust each other. At the end of the day, we're here together for a common purpose. And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, <laughs> there's problems here and there, but like anything, you know, we work it out. How many times does Mama have to get involved to separate the boys? Yeah, she, she's a she's the official mediator. Just to let you know, she's yeah. the bad monkey mediator. So, <laughs> but seriously, if you guys disagree with each other, you just talk it out. Do you does does one you know is there kind of a, a patriarch, if you will, of the family, or you're really kind of well, well, you know, we, we're Italian, right? So, I mean, yelling is kind of normal and decibel uh, that's, levels, yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. high 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 octane conversations. Uh, but you know what, though, honestly, so far it's been pretty good. You know, we get we get into some little arguments here and there, but it's always for the betterment of the company, right? So. It's kind of whoever has the most logical uh, solution or suggestion is usually the person who wins. Now, you, I, I know, I just, I'm just thinking about it now, you're selling here grocery stores. Have you ever sold outside of Canada? Yeah, actually, we sell in Europe. Uh, we have we uh, have distribution. Uh, small. We're just starting. We're just starting uh, in Europe. So in France, Belgium, uh, Germany, uh, the UK. So far, so good. Uh, you know, we wanted to just focus on Quebec, but we had uh, some opportunities overseas, and we seized on them just to, you know, to to see if uh, our popcorn was enjoyed overseas mm -hmm. as much as it is here. And so far, it's been a a good response, actually. Did you have to worry about local regulations? Uh, to be honest with you, no, it's been really, really seamless. The whole process has been really, really easy. I thought there'd be, you know, uh, complicated issues in place, but it's been really easy. Now, have you had any flop flavors? I mean, you, you mentioned there's 22, you mentioned there's nine in the grocery stores, but there, you've got to have some testing along the way that maybe it wasn't so good. I'm trying to think of what flavors, like most what? of our flavors are pretty good, but some, some flavors didn't turn out so good. Well, right now, yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, we try to have like, we have a Portuguese flavor. We, we have, have a, a Jamaican jerk, a curry. Indian curry. So they, when we first started out with those flavors, they weren't that great to be honest with you, but, uh, but now they're quite delicious. So it's not just about the sweetness. You have some savory flavors too? Oh yeah. We got tons of salty stuff. Yeah. Salty is important. We want to kind of cater to everybody. Right. So, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I have a salty tooth, right? So I, I love everything salty so i'm more involved in that than my other brothers who love sweet things you know so one of my brothers for instance worked on the, our dark chocolate so that was really cool that's delicious uh but for me i have a, we have a salt vinegar barbecue flavor which i can eat like 15 bags straight it's awesome <laughs> now 
so many recipes. I mean, there's there's secrets in there. Do you worry about it? Do you have to lock up these recipes, uh, you know, in a, in a big safe? Or do you worry about it? What do you do with this intellectual property you have? Well, that's it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like we always say, if somebody wants to compete with us, good luck, right? I mean, we work hard. Uh, we're passionate about what we do. Uh, I, sometimes, you know, honestly, uh, competition is a good thing, right? So we don't hide any secrets. I mean, we have things we keep to ourselves, obviously, like any company does. Uh, but uh, we generally try to share as much as we possibly can. Next, have you ever decided to open your own stores or you're only really wholesaling? Well, in the beginning, actually, we had yeah, an opportunity. First, we were going to go yeah. into the malls and then we decided to veer into the grocery stores and... Yeah, we, we figured that just from a financial standpoint, it would make more sense if we wholesale than if we were to open up brick and mortar retail shops. Um, like I said, we had that opportunity in the beginning and it would have been a really cool opportunity. I think we would have been successful at that, but it just, it didn't feel right. And I think, you know, it's not scientific, but sometimes if something doesn't feel right, you just don't do it. And wholesale felt right to us. And just one quick last question, because I know you've, you've been around for about a year and a half, uh, but you, it sounds like you you're, you built a, a team around you to, to get this done. What do you look for when you're hiring in your in your company? What do you look for? Uh, pretty much somebody that has a great personality and can talk to people and have a great conversation and present the product. You know what I mean? So skills a little bit less important and attitude far more important. Oh well, yeah, because we can always teach them how to do things. Well, I figure if you can teach a lawyer how to make popcorn, yeah. <laughs> you can pretty much teach anything. Yeah, exactly. Teaching a bad monkey to, to, to make popcorn. <laughs> I think that's great. Fabio Zappili and Elaine McLean from Bad Monkey Popcorn, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. And next, Josh, we'll talk to Micheline Mayette of Fuller Landau about some HR issues. And and one thing in particular, that those four letters that, that terrify certain entrepreneurs here in Don't Quebec. say it. Don't say it out loud. CSST. Oh. Ah. Uh, that's coming up next on Today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.49 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you and our guests this evening, Fabio Zappili and Elaine McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn. We'll have uh, their one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in a moment, uh, but we'll uh, welcome Micheline Mayette from Fuller Landau, HR specialist. Uh, Micheline, welcome back. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Very good. So we're going to talk about the CSST t tonight, yeah. and this is something that is terrifying, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm really glad I don't have a factory. Um, <laughs> well, it's terrifying, Dan, but it's it's super important to manage, because yes. if you don't manage it, it can it can cost you a lot in time. So uh, I guess, Micheline, the, the first question I, I would ask is, why is it so important for companies to, to manage their health and safety? Yeah, well, I mean, the first, obviously, is, the, I guess, the most obvious one, there's the human aspect of it. I mean... There's people with lives and families working for you. So no entrepreneur, no company would want, um, you know, to have any serious accidents or deaths in the workplace. You know, God forbid uh, that could happen. So, I mean, obviously, that's the first thing, especially if they're preventable. Then I think there's just that human aspect to it, too, that, you know, you want to protect your employees. There's also the legal aspect. Companies have an obligation also to make sure that their employees work in a safe and secure environment. So that means providing the training necessary, taking preventative measures to make sure no accidents happen. Um, but then despite all the measures they can take, well, accidents can still happen, unfortunately. Um, and now, and it's important to manage these accidents because um, it can have an impact on morale, it can have an impact on the company's reputation, and also can have an impact financially um, I was going to say, yeah. you know, there, there's got to be a finance, like, you know, if you, if you have the right systems in place, the right safeties in place, it could, it could save the company probably a lot of money. If you have the wrong ones, it could probably cost a lot. So what could be the financial impact? Well, I mean, 
CSST is like a huge insurance company. So essentially companies pay premiums to CSST and not everybody pays the same premium. So the premiums are based on uh, the risk of the industry you're in. So for example, an accounting firm and a construction company won't pay the same premium. Um, but then also the number of accidents you've had or the you know the scope of the accidents also have a huge impact on a company's uh, CSST file. Now, let's say there has been an accident in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not talking about anybody slipping on popcorn kernels or anything like that. <laughs> that, that we'll come to that later. Uh, but you, you've had an accident in the worst pl- in, in the workplace. Uh, it's done. It's history. Uh, I, I mean, is that going to cost you? Like, is it a done deal? Are you are you an X for life in your CSST file? Uh, what's going to happen after that? Well, I mean, yes and no. So you have you've had an accident. So there are going to be financial repercussions once you start paying out. Uh, essentially money to to employees then that I mean they're going to claim it back from you in one way or another yeah Yeah, exactly so once you have an actual claim going um, there are ways to decrease the cost that the impact that will have on on your file Uh, so for example if an employee is off there's ways to temporarily reassign them to other tasks that they're able to do so for example if you have a warehouse worker that hurts his back well maybe he can temporarily do some filing in the office, so that will help offset uh, you know, the amount that you'd have to pay. Or sometimes there's ways, depending maybe he has a history of back problems, so there's a way to um, share some of the costs if there was already a pre-existing condition or maybe an accident that happened in another workplace previously. So those are some of of the ways that you could do it. Now we live in Quebec, and this is not an editorial comment on our government, but CSST does it typically side with the employee? Yes, and the reason is that um, they, the CSST will presume that the employee is telling the truth in most cases. So that's why um, they'll typic- they will typically side with the employee, but that's why it's really up to the employer to make sure that they really document their files very well and they have a very close follow-up on everything. Because unfortunately, there are some people that are dishonest. While the majority of people... Um, have like legitimate claims. There are a few people that will always try to play the system. Uh, and and there's there's so much more to know. When we come back from the break, we'll we'll chat about you know what if you have a remote employee, they work from home. What if you, I mean, all these things that will come into play. So when we come back from the break, we'll continue chatting about that four letter word, Dan CSST. Mm-hmm. Fabio Zappelli and Lane McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Uh, they're one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way as well. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Fabio Zappelli and Elaine McLean with us of Bad Monkey Popcorn and also Micheline Mayette of Fuller Landau talking about HR issues and in specific the CSST, uh, which is something that uh, all entrepreneurs in Quebec should be conscious of. And uh, very conscious of because it can be very costly if you if you're not doing the right things. So now that we've you know we've had Bad Monkey Popcorn share their story, let's ask kind of a, a question in that uh, in that regard, Michelin. So you have an employee selling popcorn at a booth, and uh, and they leave on a break to go, and they slip. Uh oh, they slip on a piece of popcorn, hit their head, suffer a concussion, contusion, whatever you want. Is this considered a workplace accident? Okay, well, a workplace ac- it's considered a workplace accident if it occurs while the employee is in the course of doing their job. So the key here is that the employee is on their break. So it's not always black and white. There's a variety of factors that would be considered in this type of situation. So one is where the accident occurred. So the employee is 
on their break, but it seems here they'd still be on the work site because they slipped on popcorn. So I'm assuming the popcorn was close to their booth <laughs> and they weren't off like at, um, you know, buying cigarettes at the store on their break where it happened elsewhere. So here it seems to have happened on the work site. Um, and let's say they're on a break and not on lunch. So maybe they're being, they're probably being paid for the break that they're on. So they're actually being paid to get it done. So there is a good chance that this would actually count as a workplace accident. Now, what about so that that was on a that was on an offsite location. Now, let's talk about remote employees. What if you have an employee that's working from home mm-hmm. and something happens? Yeah, um, okay. we you know we don't have to bring popcorn <laughs> back into it. But, all these accidents, <laughs> you know, it's all these bad monkeys. Yeah, too much popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, let's say there's somebody who's not buying their popcorn from bad monkey popcorn. <laughs> And they're having a bit of a craving while they're working from home that day. So they decide to go microwave a bag of popcorn. But they're already slightly insane for not having the product. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And let's just say their microwave explodes from the defective popcorn that they bought uh, from another brand. Um, Now, in this case, I mean, again, it's always black and white. But in this case, probably the employer, it would not be considered a workplace accident because the employer really has no control over the employee's microwave in their house. So in this case, I think the employer would be okay and the employee, well, maybe not so good. Now, just quickly in the next 30 seconds, if you can say what effect or, you know, how much does it come into play if the employer does things, creates actions to actually prevent the workplace accident? Okay, so let's take the example we had before, and let's just say it's a common problem where they're all—you know—they're always having employees slip on popcorn all the time. They're always hitting their head on the floor, so they've decided that all employees have to wear helmets at all times to avoid any future concussions. But they had an employee who decided not to wear the helmet, and despite the directives, did not wear the helmet and still fell and hit their head. It'll probably help, but it's not going to completely like it's still going to be considered an accident. They're probably going to be responsible for it. So really, when it comes to prevention, the key is to supervise the employees, make sure they're wearing the equipment that they're supposed to be wearing at all times. Now, this is not occurring at Bag Monkey Popcorn yes, because you really, yeah. you really take care facility, of uh, yeah. Yeah. exactly. No, we're good, we're good. <laughs> and as we approach the last moment of the show, uh, Fabio, we'll turn to you as we do to all the entrepreneur guests and, and ask you, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I would say make yourself a great team. You know, I'm lucky enough to have my brothers with me. Uh, I have Elaine. We have family members who, who help us out all the time and friends. Uh, I think if you're surrounded by great people with, you know, great attitudes and a lot of energy, I think it's going to help you get to that next level of your business whatever you define that level to be focus on building a great team and that's great and i think dan my quick one little takeaway is if you're an entrepreneur and you believe in something you're going to take a risk if you don't take a risk less chance of success and these guys took a risk Uh, these four bad monkeys took a risk and it's paying off I'm taking away this bag of popcorn. I think there's a few you can take away. Yeah, I brought, I brought tons <laughs> for you guys. Fabio <laughs> Zapili and Lane McLean of Bad Monkey Popcorn. Thanks for stopping by, guys, and best of luck. Uh, thanks for having us, guys. It's awesome. And, and Michelin Mayat uh, as well. Thanks, Michelin and Josh. We're back next week uh, here on Today's Entrepreneur, Monday nights at 7 on Newstalk Radio, CJAD 800.